All right, I want to welcome everybody. Welcome to our guests. It's good to have you uh, joining us, dropping in with us. Really glad that you decided to spend your time with us. And hey, everybody, if you would right now, share this on social media, on your own uh, stream, because I think this is a message that so many people really need to hear right now. Uh, recently, I received an email from someone in our church that said this, please pray for me. I'm struggling to forgive someone. It's weighing heavy on my heart. And I really doubt that she's alone. Is there somebody that you need to forgive? Or is there somebody that you need to ask forgiveness from? I think this affects a whole lot of people. And it can be one of the most difficult things to do, especially as now we're, we're surrounded by all of this negativity in our society, in our culture. There's so much uh, bitterness and anger and hate and division and blame going around, uh, around right now. And it's because we're out of fellowship with God. People are disconnected from God, and that makes us out of fellowship with one another. We're seeing it in, in the killings. We're seeing it in the riots. We're, we've seen it with one of our own church members, uh, Renee Peterson, a police officer who got shot just a week ago, twice. She's recovering. She's, she's hopefully having her final surgery anytime now. But this is infecting all of us. And so one of the key principles that we need to talk about is how to experience forgiveness. And we're not just talking about receiving it. We're talking about giving it as well. It's an essential for Christian living. And so if you're not yet a Christian, then I, I guess you're off the hook for this. This isn't expected of you, but I would still challenge you to try living this way because there are going to be so many positive benefits from being a forgiving person. It'll benefit you physically, mentally, and spiritually. But I got to also let you know that it's not really possible to experience that until you deal with that fellowship, that relationship with God. This is a spiritual battle that we're in, every one of us. It's a heart issue. And until you experience that forgiveness from God for the wrongs that you have done, because we've all done wrong, you're never going to have that load of guilt and regret lifted from you. You're never going to have that clamp released from your heart. Only God can do that. And when he does that in you, it enables you to forgive others. And that's our big idea, is to forgive others the way God forgives you. Now, how forgiving is God? And how forgiving should you be? Well, you might know the bumper sticker version of that theology, which says, you've seen it, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. And that's true. I mean, because of Jesus' sacrifice, his his death for our sins, we are forgiven completely. And so in God's sight, we are seen as sinless. But more than that, his grace enables us, strengthens us to change, to be different people. So he helps us to sin less and less and less. So let me give you some biblical principles about forgiveness. Forgiveness is possible because of God's love. That's where it starts. God's nature is love, and he wants to offer us mercy and pardon but we also have to see that because he's a holy, righteous God, that we deserve judgment and condemnation, and yet God wants to forgive us. Here's what it says in Scripture in Psalm 86. Oh, Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love. For who? For all who ask your aid. 
And then God says this in Isaiah 43, I, yes, I alone am the one who blots out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Now, folks, that's not exactly like forgive and forget because it's impossible really for God to forget anything. He, he knows and remembers everything. What he's saying is I will never bring them up again. I will never hold them against you. God is a forgiving God. And yet it didn't come easy. It didn't come cheap. It cost him tremendously. He didn't just unconditionally forgive everybody and, and sweep it under the rug or pretend like it never happened. Because he is holy and righteous, God has to deal with our sins justly. And so what makes forgiveness possible? Well, forgiveness is assured by Christ's sacrifice. Jesus became the substitute, the sacrifice for our sins to receive the condemnation we deserved. But God showed his grace, his love for us in this, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That's Romans 5, 8. Great verse. We didn't deserve it, but he gives us that great grace and forgiveness because of his love. And Christ becomes our forgiveness. And that forgiveness is, is yours as long as your life is in Christ. He's going to forgive you for all kinds of things. Truthfully, you don't even know you're doing. You don't even know they're wrong yet. You're not even aware of them because of either, you know, just spiritual ignorance or immaturity. And his grace covers all of those sins. But here's what, here's what we got to deal with. All right, I'm, I'm forgiven of everything, but what happens when I do sin? Some people put off becoming a Christian because they think, well, I, I can't become a Christian because what if I sin again? Well, you will. What happens when I knowingly, purposely sin? What then? Well, then forgiveness is ours when we confess our sin. God's always ready to forgive anyone who asks. So we've got to claim this promise in 1 John 1, 9. I love this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What an awesome verse that you really need to memorize. Hold on to that. And listen, to confess your sins means to call it what it is. Call it what God calls it. To uncover it and say, yeah, what I did was wrong. And you say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And you begin to experience his grace again and again. Listen, I want, you, I, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. It's not the concept that every time you sin, God takes a big eraser and erases your name out of the book of life. And then when you repent, he writes your name back in. You sin and he erases it. And then you repent and he writes it back in. No, God, God covers our sins. It's not like every little oopsie. We go, oh, man, what, what if I didn't? No, when you know you have committed a sin against God, your heart wants to make things right with God. You want to confess it. You may find yourself down on your knees for the same sin over and over and over. And here's where 1 John 1, 9 kicks in because you're thinking, oh my, how can God forgive me for that again and again and again? And, and your enemy, the devil, comes along and he tries to use that against you, use it to condemn you and say, oh, you've really messed up this time. You've gone too far. You have gone, you've you're beyond forgiveness. You've done it too many times now. But God says something else. He's faithful and just and will forgive you over and over and over. And that's the scandal of grace, how forgiving God is. He wants to forgive you. And he, he, because he loves you and he's provided the sacrifice for you. So that, you know, should you keep feeling guilty after, after you've received his grace? Absolutely not. But 
listen, don't minimize his grace. Don't excuse what you've done. Don't justify it. Don't cover it up. Don't cheapen his grace and whitewash what you've done and, and try to pretend like it, it, it never happened and think you got away with it. God saw it. So admit it. Now come clean. Uh, uh, just own up to it. I mean, like King David. Well, eventually. You might know how King David, way back in Israel, committed adultery with Bathsheba, covered it up with a murder, kept that secret too. Thought he got away with it until one day God sent the prophet Nathan, confronted him with it, uncovered it, revealed it, and then, once he got caught, David repented. And you know what? God still forgave him because he sincerely repented. But you know what? He still suffered because of it. The consequences, it devastated his family and it brought disaster to the whole nation of Israel. So what kind of attitude are you bringing to asking God to forgive you? Are you just like, oh, I'm going to just say the words, forgive me, and then I'm just going to keep on doing whatever I want to do. I'm just going to plan to go out and do it again because God's going to forgive me anyway. No, listen, I got to tell you, <clears throat> you may not know, but backstage here at the Trenton campus, we've got uh, a project going on, taking down some walls, doing some painting. And so we figured we should do it right, and we wanted to hire it out. So we, we put out some bids to do some painting back there. And uh, the job went to the guy with the lowest bid. But it turns out this guy was pretty unscrupulous because, you know, to get that lowest bid, he had to, he had to uh, cut some corners. It turns out he was watering down that paint with turpentine. Now, what he didn't realize is backstage, there's a section of the, of the ceiling that leaks. And, you know, we had those hard rains coming down. And so the rain is coming down the wall, and that watered-down paint is just running down the walls. And just then he heard this boom, this loud clap of thunder. And he knew it was a judgment from the Almighty. And he said, oh, God, please forgive me. What should I do? And out of the thunder, a voice spoke, repaint you thinner and thin no more. I love that one, but... And truthfully, we didn't hire anybody to do that. We are doing some painting. Volunteers are doing it. I want you to see the concept here. It comes from John chapter 8. You remember when Jesus was confronted with a woman who had been caught in adultery? They dragged her out, wanted to stone her to death. And Jesus said, go ahead. Go ahead and kill her if you're perfect. And of course, nobody was. They dropped their stones and walked off. Jesus, the only perfect one, says, well, neither do I condemn you. And a lot of people want to end the story right there. But Jesus goes on to say, and now go and sin no more. Sin no more. All right? it's, you may still, and you will, fall again. And probably again, and again, and again. That's because of our fallenness. That's because of our weakness. But don't harden your heart and continue to live in that sin and think, well, it doesn't matter because God's going to forgive me and I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway. Can you really call yourself a Christian and continue in a lifestyle of sin? The Apostle John says this, 1 John 3, 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He can't go on sinning because he's been born of God. Listen, that doesn't mean that you're never going to ever sin again. It means you can't continuously live a lifestyle of sin and expect to be a child of God. You can't keep on living as if you never accepted Jesus as your Lord, the one you're trying to be like. And I know sometimes people will make fun of Christianity because we're always trying to put people on a guilt trip. 
Well, listen, I, I really need to say, when you've done something wrong, you should feel guilty. I mean, we don't want to put you on a guilt trip unnecessarily, but if you've done wrong, it's good that you feel guilty. That means you've got a conscience. That means that, that you've, got a, you've got a chance. Can you imagine a world where we never felt guilty for anything, where there was no shame, where we were just, we have these hard hearts and seared consciences, and we're able to do whatever evil that we can come up with. I mean, we're, it feels like we're getting kind of close to that sometimes, doesn't it? We need to be confronted for the wrongs we've done, and yes, be held accountable for it. We're not going to be judgmental about it, but we've got to call it like it is. That's wrong. We shouldn't do that. We ought to feel ashamed for our disobedience to God's good law and the harm that we do to others. Look at what Paul writes to the Corinthians. This is, this is important to understand this distinction. He says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Look, there's such a thing as good guilt and bad guilt. There's real God-inspired guilt that we experience when we've done something genuinely wrong, and then there's false or phantom guilt we may feel when we haven't done anything wrong or when we've been forgiven already for something that we've done wrong. I mean, that's what the Pharisees fell into was they would add all these extra rules and traditions and then if you broke their rules, they made you feel guilty as if you had disobeyed God himself. And that's not what God calls us to do. Look, there are times when it's not appropriate to feel guilt, to, to, to be on that guilt trip like that. When we experience false guilt after uh, our, God forgive me, and you may still feel guilty. You have trouble forgiving yourself because you can't, like, go back and undo what you've done. You can't change the past. And so you still feel guilty about it. But that's not what forgiveness means. God wants you to be able to feel okay and move on because he has forgiven you. Look, either the cross of Jesus was sufficient enough to pay for all your sins or it wasn't. I mean, let it go. Why should I continue to condemn myself when I already have that promise that God is faithful and just and he will forgive me of all my sins. And so when the devil pulls that trick against you and, and tries to, to uh, bring on that false guilt, phantom guilt for something you've already asked forgiveness for, listen, I love this saying, when the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. All right? Listen, God's forgiveness makes it possible to forgive others. Remember, forgiveness isn't easy. It can be one of the hardest things to do. And we can find it really difficult to forgive somebody for all the wrongs that they've done to us until maybe we start to realize how much God has forgiven us for. And we think, who am I not to forgive others when God has forgiven me of so much? One of Jesus' disciples, Peter, asked him this in, in Matthew 18. He said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Good question. Seven times? Thinks he's being generous. That's a lot. No, Jesus replied, 70 times seven. <laughs> God's forgiveness is, is basically unlimited. I mean, it, as long as someone genuinely repents, there is unlimited forgiveness. And I, and I, I want to clear up a bit of a misunderstanding here on this. It's important. We have been led, I think, by a lot of well-meaning people to think that we have to forgive other people no matter what, unconditionally. 
Because we remember the Lord's Prayer. Jesus prays, you know, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And then he comments on that and says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. All right, so we, are we to forgive people unconditionally? Well, I want you to listen a little bit closer to Jesus now in Luke 17. When he says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you, here it is, seven times in a day, just in one day. And returns to you seven times saying what? I repent. Forgive him. I think that's what a lot of people misunderstand here is they think forgiveness always means just acting like it never happened, just sweeping it under the rug, and that's not what Jesus says. Does God forgive you and me when we refuse to repent of something? No, that's not how God forgives. So why would God expect us to forgive on a level that he doesn't even forgive on? We're not required to forgive beyond the way God forgives. Look at Ephesians 4.32, and right where you are, everybody out loud together. We're going to just say this right in our homes or wherever you're sitting right now. Here we go. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's how you forgive. Just as in Christ God forgave you. Again, that's our big idea. Forgive others the way God has forgiven you. So look, unforgiveness is holding our offender responsible after they've repented. We cannot withhold forgiveness and be like Christ. If we're going to forgive like God does, then we, we have unlimited forgiveness. You know, when somebody is sorry, that's the, you, can't, you can't have a heart that holds on to that. It takes a different heart. It takes a different kind of spirit. So let me give you, and here's, here's what I want to show you the difference. Here's what a forgiving spirit is. <clears throat> then I'm going to talk, show you what forgiveness is not. A forgiving spirit releases any desire to hurt and pay back the person who hurt or did you wrong. I, I give up my grudge. I relinquish my revenge. Secondly, a forgiving spirit lets go of hatred and bitterness, whether the person ever apologizes or not. It means even praying for that person who has made themselves your enemy. And, and we, we're going to forgive them. We're going to have that forgiving spirit toward them, ready to forgive, because that's how God forgives and we desire to please him. And that's the best way to live your life. It's not because we're afraid we're going to go to hell if we don't. It's because we're going to live a miserable life if we don't. But you may, you, I got a different situation here. The person that has wronged me is dead. <clears throat> how can I possibly forgive them? And that's a tough one, right? Because they can't repent. And that's, I, I tell you the same thing. That's where you've got to release it to God. Let God deal with that person. You ask him to give you peace. Because your personal peace doesn't depend on what some other person does or doesn't do. Don't let your past have that kind of control over you. Don't let that be your identity. You are an overcomer in Christ. A forgiving spirit looks for the best in others, overlooks insensitive words and thoughtless actions. In other words, I refuse to be offended by people's little slights. When somebody does something wrong offensive to me, I'm not going to assume the worst about them. 
I'm not going to attribute evil intent to them. I want to cut them the same kind of slack that I hope they, they cut me because I know I'm going to offend people sometime. And, and not to be mean or, or even intentionally, it, it just happens. So we don't have to confront people over every petty little thing they do. What a miserable way to live. But when it is serious enough that it creates you know, a wall, a barrier between you, then you do need to confront them. And forgiveness reaffirms that forgiving spirit reaffirms love for the repentant offender so you're not going to keep bringing it up over and over and holding it over their head now let me also give you something i think that may help what forgiveness is not forgiveness is not forgetting and just putting the past behind you you may never be able to forget completely the wrongs that have been done to you and maybe you shouldn't you know because you, you need to keep your radar up and you you need to they need to regain your trust and you may never be able uh, to c- completely put it out of your mind, but you're not going to let it have control over you. That's a whole different issue. And forgiveness is not waiting until the pain and anger goes away. Your feelings can't be the determining factor on whether you're going to obey God or not. This is where it, it's understandable you're going to have strong feelings. That's okay. But your feelings are not in charge of you. If you decide to forgive, because it's a choice, then understand your feelings are probably not going to change right away. But I'm choosing today to forgive, and then I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work that forgiveness in me and through me. And third, forgiveness is not condoning or dismissing the wrong as if it never happened, as if it wasn't significant, or that it didn't hurt you. Again, you're choosing to forgive even though it hurts. That's what makes it forgiveness. Forgiveness can't just be this one-sided thing where I'm just going to let them off the hook no matter what. Because you know what? You're short-circuiting their repentance. That's not a loving thing to do because you want to point out they're wrong because they need to repent of that and get themselves right with God too. Gives them an opportunity for a right relationship with God. And then number four, forgetting, or, or forgetting isn't necessarily, forgiving isn't necessarily letting your offender go free without consequences. Okay, let's say somebody steals your car. And then they bring it back and apologize. Okay, now you can forgive them for that. But what if they keep the car? <laughs> well, I, I guess you could still forgive them. But listen, you don't want to enable that behavior. That's not a loving thing to do. You want to bring them to accountability because they're not really sorry if they keep the car, are they? Have they really repented if they keep the stolen goods? No. If you're really sorry, you're going to try to make restitution, if possible, for whatever injury, damage, or hurt that you've caused. Just like Zacchaeus, the tax collector, back in the New Testament, when he was ripping people off, he met Jesus, and it changed his heart. He said, I'm going to pay back four times the amount of money that I stole from people. That's the fruits of repentance. And so listen, you need to also understand forgiveness isn't necessarily uh, pardoning a crime, which only the legal justice system can do, okay? Because look, you can forgive somebody who shot you, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't go to jail. You know why? Because that's not showing love for your neighbors. You're trying to protect them as well. And so what was done to... Uh, George Floyd and to Ahmad Arbery and, and you know that can be forgiven the, the families can forgive their killers that's that's wonderful if they can do that 
that doesn't mean the killers should escape justice and not have to go to jail. Or anybody, you know, harming others or doing crimes, rioting, whatever it is, there are still consequences, even though you can forgive them for destroying your property or, or even harming you. Make sense? Okay. And number five, forgiveness isn't necessarily reconciliation. Uh, reconciliation isn't commanded. It, it's highly suggested. It's preferable. But listen to this. I love this. Romans 12, 18. Probably ought to say out, this out loud with me too because this is another great one to hold on to. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Do you get that? If it's possible, may or may not be. And as far as it depends on you, because it doesn't all depend on you, it also depends on somebody else, be at peace with everybody. I mean, you can only do what you can do. And it's going to take two people to sit down and bring reconciliation. And even after reconciliation, that doesn't necessarily mean you're still going to trust them. It doesn't mean you're going to hang out and be best friends with them. It just means the offense is, is forgiven and removed. And you're willing to reconcile if possible. So let me ask you again. Is there anyone that you need to forgive? That you at least need to be willing to forgive? Is there anybody that you need to ask forgiveness from? Because you know what? Isn't it true the people least deserving of forgiveness need it the most? Look, God loves you. He wants to lift that load of, of guilt and regret and shame off of you so you can live in freedom. I love this. Peter says in Acts 3.19, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Not only that, but that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Doesn't that sound good? Wouldn't you like to, to be refreshed? That happens when God removes your sins. He says he'll do it. He'll take your sins as far away from the east is from the west. How far is that? Well, think about it. <clears throat> you can, he didn't say from the north to the south because, you know, you can travel north and hit the North Pole and then you start traveling south and you hit the South Pole. But when you travel east, you never start traveling west again. East never meets west. That's how far he's going to take your sins away from you. So maybe something now has come to your mind that is blocking fellowship with God. Some sins that you've been holding on to, covering up. Time to lay them out before God. Confess it, own up to it, admit it, and experience that promise of 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful and just and will forgive all your sins. Now next week, in our key principles, we're going to talk about how to handle temptation. And I hope you're going you're to be back for it. You're going to invite others because that's another very important needed message. Because I tell you what, temptations ain't going away. So thank God there's forgiveness. <laughs> if you're ready to receive that forgiveness. As always, we want to invite you to make the most important decision of your life, the best decision ever, and put your trust in Jesus. Repent of your sins. Be baptized into Christ. Experience that cleansing of your sin. Would you reach out to us? Let us know so we can help you take your next step. Text this number, 734 304-7248 or email next at southpointccc.com somebody will get back with you and pray with you or answer your questions help you, help you get baptized whatever you need to do and I gotta say again if Jesus can forgive others so can you let's look at what they did to him the only one who never did anything wrong to anybody never harmed anybody only did what was good came to save people came to help people, and yet they betrayed him, denied him, rejected him. They spit on him. They whipped him. They, they put thorns into his head. They, they crucified him. And you know what his last words were? I hate you all. No. 
I'm going to get even with everybody. No. His final words were, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. And he's alive today. And he can do the same for you and through you. So let's pray together. Father, first, Lord, church, we're going to pray together for our nation, for our, uh, our society. God, there's so much uh, awful things going on right now. And we're just, as your people, praying that we can be a light in the darkness, that we can be ones who call for justice, who call for peace, who call for healing, the ones that can point people to you, God, because our, our society needs you so much more right now than, than maybe ever before. But here personally, Lord, each one of us, we, we may be struggling with forgiveness. So teach me how to have a forgiving spirit, how to love them. I'm going to pray for my enemy right now, like you said, because I'm tired of living this way with all the anger and the pain and the bitterness. I, I've wasted too much of my time living this way. You're the God of justice and mercy. And if there's vengeance to be had, it's yours to take, Lord, not mine. So show them mercy. Bring them to repentance, Lord. Convict them. And if there can be reconciliation, then open our hearts to that, Lord. I'm just going to give it to you. Flood me with your grace. Bring peace to my soul. Help me to forgive myself so that I can cast off all that false phantom guilt. And I know, Lord, I can't change the past, but I can move forward into the future with your grace because I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, one more thing. I want to let you know that this week... We're going to be letting you know when we're going to be reopening our church building. The elders have just finally made final plans on that. So make sure that you're on our email list. Go on our website. Scroll to the bottom. There's a place to sign up for our emails. We're going to let you know there. We'll also be posting it on social media. So follow us there as well because I can't wait to let you know when we're going to gather back again.